five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about data today, right? Data. Okay, so here we go. But first, we're going to try and get this queued up in time for <laughs> time for something. Uh, let's see if this works. And here we go. It's working better than it used to, I have to say. It's back to school time, which this year has a whole new meaning. That's why today I'm introducing Aviation American Gin Homeschool Edition. It's just like the classic delicious aviation gin that you love, but with more ounces. It can help with a variety of subjects, fourth grade geography, whatever the f new math is, and revisiting your own long forgotten middle school traumas. Okay, so that was the large size aviation gin, and the reason I'm playing that is because uh, I found an article, of course. There's always articles you probably would miss otherwise. <clears throat> Ryan Reynolds, marketing genius from The Hustle, <laughs> and uh, part of the motivation for that is that uh, Reynolds acquired 25% stake in Mint Mobile. You know I'm a big fan of Mint Mobile. They sent me this semi-three-dimensional mailer. <laughs> Well, at least it was thicker than some. And it gives you a free fake tattoo. So you can see that. With Ryan Reynolds on there, no regrets. <laughs> Which I thought I was going to wear because I'm a big fan of Mint Mobile. I have Mint Mobile. But now they sold out to T-Mobile. And uh, the commercial was really lame because it was the CEO of T-Mobile wanted to get in on it, like, we're buying you, na-na-na-na-na. Anyway, really disappointing, so I'm looking for other mobile alternatives. I, uh, anyway, so he should have pocketed, well, I don't know what he paid for the, you know, you got to think of the cost here. I don't know what he paid for the 25% stake in Mint Mobile, but I, I bet he doubled his money at least, probably more than that. Probably quadrupled it or something, and in four years that's not bad so you know he came away with 340 million or so i did that math my own self in my head um and uh ceo mike sievert touted the benefits of mint's marketing formula which largely centers around reynolds reynolds also found co-founded the, the production studio maximum effort which did the aviation gin series of commercials some of my favorites um uh he's got a production studio in canada when he first got aviation gin going uh which i guess he founded in portland oregon i think he said an american classic owned by a canadian because he is canadian in case you didn't know um so he's had a lot of successes he's he bought a fifth tier welch football team and one of the interesting things about the about the football league leagues over in in uh, europe is if you have a if you buy a a rotten one you know one that's been doing terrible uh and they start doing well they move up in the leagues they can join other leagues better leagues so the premier the premier league in england has new members coming in and out of it you know if the if the new members do really badly then they drop out and someone else comes in and so uh <clears throat> there's actually a mechanism 
where you could you could really really maximize your value over time if you could jazz up the you know he's increased the threefold increase in season ticket sales uh, and a myriad of sponsorship deals which allow you to then buy better players right and all of a sudden that you can you can really multiply your valuation which is one of my concerns and my my interests he's also looking to conjure the same ma magic with the ottawa senators uh i'm sure probably over in ottawa canadian hockey team um i think he could co he he should he should uh, meet jesse and 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 the savannah bananas so i'll try to get that to ryan somehow today suggest that he take a look at the savannah bananas I think he and Jesse could make a great team. <clears throat> okay, I ran across this yesterday. What is a data clean room? It's it's really interesting. It's where a couple of walled gardens might collaborate. They, and, and this is the big problem with it. The big problem with it is you got to get these, you got to get big companies who don't want to share data <clears throat> to let you share their data. You know, in a, in an area that's neutral, in a, on a neutral playing field. Oh, why am I wearing this hat? Because the Badgers have won their first NIT, first two NIT games, so they are now still playing when basically all but Michigan State of the Big Ten is toast. <laughs> Purdue, of course, famously never will live this down, lost to a number 16 seed, which, which wasn't even really a 16 seed. It was a 68th seed, and it wasn't even that. I mean, it really, really had no business being in the tournament, and Purdue uh, went down in flames. Um, never really led. You know, the the little guys, the, their average height was 6'1". Purdue, interestingly, had the tallest guy in the NCAA tournament uh, at 7'4". So it literally looks like Gulliver's Travels. But anyway, Wisconsin is playing Oregon tonight out there on the West Coast. I'm not sure if they, you know, they're not favored. <clears throat> if they play to the end and they play and they play hard, they can beat anybody, right? That's my philosophy, I think. If, but too often they watch the clock when they get a lead and that and they go up and smoke. Anyway, so this clean room has some real problems. It's good for big, big companies. I actually, I actually went for this article because when we got started, you know, there. We, we got started in bef really before the idea of a cloud. When we got started, Microsoft hired us just to ask us how we did it, uh, not to do anything for them, but um, just to, just to say, is it really possible to put 250 million transactions through a Pentium? And that was a Pentium with probably, I don't know, 320 mega ram or something i mean no giga ram no nothing the very first pentium processor i mean it was really really small it's 1994 or so and uh we were on the borland website for a couple of years as a case study um so we got into the data game before big data before uh before the cloud and you know we I kept asking uh, Jim and and Ted and the guys, hey, shouldn't we give clients access to their data? Shouldn't they be able to run queries and stuff on our platform? And uh, Jim said to me, well, when 
when has a marketing question ever been what they really wanted? You know, what what they asked, was it really what they wanted? No, never, never. So then why would you let them access the data directly? And the side benefit of this was no one could access the data. I couldn't access it. Nobody. The data was isolated from the Internet. You say, well, that's not very user friendly. Yeah, I know. But it's an isolation chamber for data. And that's another type of clean room. You know, big companies would ask us about our data security and all the different protocols and all the different stuff that you can have. And, and uh, we said, look, here's how we do it. You transfer to one machine, and then we walk it to the real machine, and there is no data left on the on the on the transfer machine, and the other one has no internet connection. It's not it's it's completely walled off. Somebody have to break in here and know what they were doing, which isn't going to happen, right? Okay, so now what's funny is that the cloud backlash has begun. People are finding out that they're spending at least 30% premium to have their data in some cool, in some cool location where everybody can access it, and we're going to trust the cloud manufacturer for the security and for all of the applications. And what happens if the, the cloud manufacturer decides they don't want to let you pull your data out of their cloud? And things like that. And so now people are finding out that there's about a 30% savings. Uh, people, in fact, some companies are now spending up to twice as much on cloud services as before they migrated. So this stuff matters. NVIDIA estimates that moving large specialized AI and ML workloads back on premises can yield a 30% savings at least. Discs are cheap. Processors are cheap. It's really, really not that hard. And if you have the clean room mindset, which is don't let anybody access the data, then you will have a really nice, secure little setup. Very inexpensive. Okay. Both of those are good articles. This is the best one, though. I see David commented, Ryan really wants to own a chunk of the Ottawa Senators, which is for sale. He's a refreshing entrant to the NHL Owners Club. Yeah, he would be. He would be. <laughs> They could sell gin at the at the break instead of beer. Uh, I don't know if they do that. Yeah, probably. When I was in school, the Badgers could sell beer because they weren't part of the – their hockey team was part of the Western Collegiate Hockey Association, WCHA, which had beer. Beer was allowed at the games. <laughs> and 18 was the drinking age in Wisconsin, so everybody could drink. It was great fun. And then, you know, then the NCAA – no, then the uh, – then uh, Big Ten got in on it and we couldn't have beer at the hockey games anymore or some crazy thing like that. It's a really goofy world. The, there's hardly any drunks at the Badger football. It's just really different. It's really different than when I was there. Okay. So ad budgets. Why are ad budgets the first to be cut during a recession? The answer, uh, Craig QE doesn't really give the answer. The answer is that the CFO and probably the CEO doesn't really believe that there's a connection, not a real tight connection anyway, not a big connection between, between <laughs> the ad spending and the ad results. And that's just the bottom line. The bottom line is that 
that the CFO thinks he's pouring this money down a rat hole for creativity and he doesn't see a, the needle bump because most advertising is ineffective, untrackable, and dull. Uh, and so he says, well, let's see what happens. He's going to perform his own meat axe testing. So if you're not willing to test and prove your marketing now, you will get the meat axe holdout test where the CFO says, hey, let's just cut out X out of your budget. Let's cut out TV. Let's cut out social media. Let's cut out pay-per-click. Let's cut out something and see if anything changes. That's not the best way to test, but it's a good way to test. And if you don't test now, you'll test later. Pay me now or pay me later. Okay? So, if you really want to get this off the ground, what you want to do is you want to call in before your CEO calls, CFO calls you in and says, we're just going to meet ax you to see if it's really been doing any good. Of course, and of course, he's going to cut when maybe nobody's buying anyway. So there could be a real self-fulfilling prophecy here. Quantum color. I don't know who that is. But if you're calling, you don't know that I'm live. So don't call when I'm live, for heaven's sakes. What kind of, what kind of impolite is that? Quantum Color sounds like a printing company. I hope it did. I hope they call back. <laughs> okay, cutting your advertising budget. 78% said they're going to cut the budget. Okay, only 10% said they're going to increase the budget. I don't know where this data comes from. There's no clue, right? But there are. But here are the studies. <laughs> No footnote. A lot of stuff happens. A lot of good stuff. Oh, here, here's McGraw-Hill research study of recession marketing. There's a there's a 365%. I love that. I love when they take extra digits uh, for companies that maintained or increased their budget. Hello, Miglash Marketing. Hi, John. Yeah. Hi, Cheryl from Quantum. What's Quantum? Oh, Cheryl. Oh, oh, Cheryl. Nice to hear from you. Cheryl, you're live with me on on the air. Yeah, yeah. Every every morning at 10 a.m. I'm live, and I've been wanting to talk with you for weeks. That stuff we talked about, it's real. But I'm in the middle of the live stream, so I probably should call you back or something. Okay, thanks, Cheryl. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> Bye. Oh, that was Cheryl Gahanik, CEO of, of Quantum down in Illinois. Okay, and we got some... I love when people call. <laughs> How cool. I just can't erase this now. I don't know what to do. But anyway, if you call me during the show, you know, you can be on. I almost put her on speakerphone. She sounded so fun. Yep, she did call back, but a little quicker than I was hoping. A man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Okay? <laughs> and here's the length of recessions. But the conclusion of this article is really rock solid. Why you should be using direct response advertising during a recession. Direct response marketing delivers many benefits due to the quick ROI. The fact is, it is easy to track and measure if you don't test, then you don't. <laughs> Craig, you left out the word test. Let's just see if there's the word test is in there. 
test enter nope zero results okay so there's no and if all you do is measure you have to understand if all you do is measure your CFO won't believe you anyway you need to set up field valid scientific experiments you need to identify the incremental benefit of one advertising channel versus another it has to do more than would have happened without it otherwise they're gonna cut your budget it's just that simple do you understand that I talked about ROI yesterday you need to assess the incremental benefit of every dollar you spend it's the incremental benefit that makes a difference if you have a big sign on your building and people are stopping in anyhow keep the sign up but all the rest of it doesn't amount to a hill of beans okay it's all about incremental not just not just sales but profitability okay and if there isn't incremental profit from your advertising then your CFO is right to meet X cut it out along with you so if you want to keep your job want to keep your company healthy find somebody who's got a, who's <laughs> gone through three recessions four recessions what let's see in this chart let's see how many recessions I've been through okay the Great Depression no the Carter recession I was working in uh, printing and in commercial uh, instrumentation so we went through that one one two three four five six seven hire somebody who's been through seven recessions and helped grow companies in the middle of it that's what you're looking for find out how to test incremental benefit that's what testing is about it's not about oh we tried this and it did a little better we tried that what would it have done if you did nothing All right it's a famous scientist that said until we know what we would what would what nature would look like if we just did nothing we don't know what we're what we what our impact is to assess impact you need to assess incremental change have a great day like and share your friends will know you're smart bye bye go Badgers <laughs>